Our Bible text today is John chapter 13, and would you turn there, please, in your scriptures? John chapter 13 and verse uh, 34. John chapter 13 and verse 34. While you're turning to that passage of scripture, I feel it necessary to share um, a word of concern about veterans. And uh, Mac, I appreciate what you had to say today. I think you were right on target for all of us. Um, I would like to add that the true heroes are the people who stay home while uh, us airmen and sailors and marines and soldiers are deployed. Um, these are the true heroes because uh, when we deploy, everything's in place for us. We know when we eat, we know when we get up, we know when we go to bed, we know what our assignment is, we know what our mission is, we know what our uh, limits are, we know what the target is, uh, everything's timed and everything is set, we know what the plane is to go there and which plane to catch to come back home, um, but the folks who are left at home to carry on are left with a huge gap. What, what do you do when the battery dies in the car? Who do you call? Uh, what do you do if a loved one is in the hospital and um, you're not able to get there? Uh, what if you need a ride somewhere? Uh, what if you need to see the doctor and you can't get to see the, see the doctor? All these issues come up uh, for the families that are left at home while the rest of us are deployed with first-class uh, soldiery. And, uh, and you're at home trying to get by with what's, what's left for, for you. So these family members that do remain at home are the true uh, unsung heroes. And I want to salute you and say thank you for being the person that you are to support us who are de deployed. Uh, people will often say to me, um, thank you for your service. And my response is, thank you for paying your taxes. <laughs> and they look at me like, why? Yeah, thank you for paying your taxes. Uh, because your faithfulness to pay your taxes, we can have soldiery and, um, and get the things done that need to be that, that uh, need, need to be done. Will you bow with me as we pray? Father, help us now to focus upon the Word of God as we understand the need for fellowship in our midst to be encouragers one of another, uh, to be uh, fellow soldiers in the spiritual battle against evil in this world. Um, but we need each other, and we need to strengthen each other. We need to be here for each other. And help us to not be um, lone rangers, that we can get it all done by ourselves, but that we need communication and fellowship and relationships that are healthy and good and strong. And uh, teach us, Lord, how to do that as we look at this passage of Scripture. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Today we're going to look at the four one another's in the New Testament. There's a word that is used over a hundred times called alela uh, that means one another and um, it is talking about relationships where we are accountable to each other uh, and encouraging one another in the work of the Lord and we are commanded by the Lord to love one another 
And that's where you see that term come into play as it speaks here in the scripture. Jesus said in verse 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, alela, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, when I talk about the four words in the New Testament, I want to use four categories, really, more so than just four words. But these four terms, or these four categories, are ways of speaking about the fellowship we have together in the Lord. And so the first one is the term love itself. Now there are four words for love in the scriptures. Uh, one is the term agape. Agape simply means self-sacrificing love. Uh, another word in the scripture is phileo, uh, where we get the word Philadelphia, brotherly love. Uh, another word in the scripture for love is storg, S-T-U-R-G-E. And uh, it's talking about empathy or compassion for another person. And the fourth term is the word eros. Jesus uses the term agape to describe his love for you and for me and the love that we are to have for each other. Let us love one another as our Lord Jesus has loved us. In the book of 1 Peter, the Bible talks about love each other deeply, this kind of agape love. In the book of Romans, it says, be devoted to one another in love. So love is how we demonstrate our fellowship in the body of Christ. We are responsible to love each other. Now, I've said before, and I remember having a deacon in my church in Louisville that said, you know, this really changed his life. He said, I don't have to like everybody, but I do have to be loving toward everyone. And it kind of takes some stress off, I guess, because uh, this particular person felt like he was obligated to like everything about everybody. But you're not. Uh, but you are obligated to be loving toward everybody and to exhibit that kind of self-sacrificing love to other people as the Lord Jesus Christ has demonstrated to us. A second word that we might use to describe this love one another is called unity. Unity. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, the Apostle Paul writes, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, <clears throat> and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and in thought. Uh, how we think toward each other, we're not to be uniform, but we are to be united. There's a difference. Uh, uniformity means we're all just alike. Uh, united means we are alike in our purpose. And the purpose of the church is to reach uh, and make disciples, reach people and make disciples as we share the gospel of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Romans would say, accept one another then, just as Christ has accepted you. Uh, in Colossians, Paul writes, Forgive whatever grievances you may have against each other. In James, it says, Don't grumble against each other. In the book of Galatians, Paul writes, Let us not become conceited, provoking or envying each other. So when we allow that kind of unity in love be our guide in our relationships, we find that we're on the same team, rowing in the same direction. And that's really a, a definition, a good working definition for the term fellowship. 
Fellowship means not banana pudding and uh, fried chicken. Uh, fellowship means everybody in the same boat, rowing in the same direction at the same time. And so that kind of unity in what we're doing, what we're trying to accomplish as a church, in getting the gospel out to every home, uh, whether it be the program we've just uh, seen, or even unity in trying to get together a, a comprehensive roster uh, that's updated for our church. Uh, I depend on rosters a whole lot. And um, I, I take a roster. We've got one that dates back to about 2012. And when I call you on the phone, sometimes it's the right number and sometimes it's um, no longer the right number. And uh, when I want to get a hold of you and I want to talk to you, um, uh, I, I need to know where you are. I need to find you. I need to have a conversation w w with you. Uh, I tell people that uh, my preferred method of communication is one-on-one, -on -one, face to face con conversation with people. That's my preferred method. My second preferred method would be a telephone conversation. My third preferred method would be an email. My fourth and worst preferred method is texting. I don't solve church problems on texting. I just don't do that. I want to see you. I want to see your face. I want to know what's going on on your side of the table uh, as we talk to each other. And I can't do that if we're just trying to text each other. But if we will talk, if we will communicate with each other, then we can have a better understanding of each other. And unity begins to grow as we understand we're on the same page. We're serving the same cause. Uh, we're in the cause of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. A third term that we could use to talk about the fellowship in the church and, um, and the one another uh, relationships we have means servanthood. We are here to serve each other. Jesus told his disciples that I did not come the Lord over you, but I came to serve you. I came to serve you. And uh, one of the demonstrations that Jesus gave for servanthood and serving was washing the disciples' feet. Now, this is quite awkward to the disciples. They weren't used to that. And uh, they didn't uh, want someone to wash their feet. But Jesus said, I must wash your feet. This is how I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you by giving myself to you. And he says in John chapter 13, verse 14, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Some of you may have grown up as a foot-washing Baptist. Anybody here grown up as a foot -wa I did not. Anybody here did? Okay. Have you had that experience? Is it a humbling experience? Yes, it is. It really is. I remember one year uh, we had um, the Monday-Thursday um, uh, service, and I'm encouraging Ekron to have that this coming Easter. Uh, Mo Monday, Thursday service is, um, it's on a Thursday, of course, and Monday is the word for mandate. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And uh, before he did that, though, he washed the disciples' feet. So here I was on a Thursday, and uh, we had all the deacons lined up ready to serve the Lord's Supper, and I brought out a pan of water and a towel. You should have seen the people's <laughs> expressions. They thought, oh, no, he's going to wash our feet, or I'm going to take my shoes off. And the people got to smell my feet. And I said, nope, don't worry, don't worry, we're, 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 we're not going to do that. Uh, and you, you just see this 
ah, sigh of relief uh, fall upon the con congregation. Uh, but just the idea uh, that someone would wash my feet. Um, there's something about being a disciple of Jesus and a follower of Christ that we would rather serve than to be served. We would rather give than to receive. We would rather uh, uh, serve another person rather than receive service ourselves. And folks, that is the mind of Christ. That is the work of the Holy Spirit that is leading us to be that way. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So servanthood is a way of talking about the one another, of relating to each other. A fourth word and a final word is edification. Edification has to do with encouragement. And uh, if we are to have better uh, um, uh, participants in the worship service, if we are to have a, a stronger Sunday school in our church, if we are to have any kind of ministry accomplished here, we have to encourage each other. Uh, rather than pick at and pick apart and criticize, we need to be edifiers. We need to be encouragers. We need to be way to go kind of people. Way to go. That a boy. That's good. Let me encourage you or let me help you. Um, let me walk along beside you are the kinds of one another's that we need in the body of Christ. This includes encouraging each other, instructing each other, teaching and admonishing each other, and then also, as Hebrews says, spurring each other on. Let us not neglect the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but let us spur each other on, he says in Hebrews uh, chapter 10 and verse 4. Let me conclude by giving you six tips to avoid burnout while you are serving God. We can be so um, enmeshed in, in serving and giving of ourselves that we tend to miss our limits. We tend to uh, neglect that we have limits. And uh, we find ourselves burning out. Remember, Mary had a little lamb. It could have been a sheep. But it joined Ekron Baptist Church and died for lack of sleep. Um, that, you'll probably hear me say that a hundred times and get tired of hearing me say it. But the worst thing that we can do in the fellowship of our church is burn out for the cause of Christ. God doesn't want you to burn out. He doesn't want you to burn down. He wants you to rely upon Him. He wants you to call upon Him. He wants you to trust in Him. He wants you to let Him be Lord of the church. He wants you to let Him be the Lord of the ministries of this church and not be burned out uh, because you are giving so much to each other. So let me share with you these six tips, and I pray that they will be encouraging to you. Number one, take time to rest and recharge. Uh, write that down. Take time to rest and recharge. Um, you need time to breathe in because when you're serving other people, you're breathing out. And if you don't have a rhythm of breathing in and breathing out, then you'll find yourself exhausted. And you'll need oxygen. You'll need refreshment. Uh, you'll need recharging. And uh, if you'll take time to rest 
and to recharge. You'll be able to find that ministry can continue because you are resilient. Um, one of the big words in the military that we've seen in the last 20 years because the war that we have been fighting is the longest in our history. Uh, one of the terms that kept coming up in the chaplaincy uh, that we had, uh, we had to deal with was this word resilience. We were finding people burned out, people who had given out, people had given up, people who wanted to quit, people who wanted to go home, never get back in the army again, never serve again, and uh, we were running short of resupplies. And this word resilience came to be so very, very important. And what we learned was there needs to be a cycle of rest and service. Rest and serve, rest and serve, rest and serve. And if you can keep that cycle going and be a steward of your soul, uh, then you'll find that you're able to recharge or to be resilient. Number two, know when to say yes and when to say no to things. Know when to say yes and know when to say no. Saying yes to everything may often uh, be over-functioning on your part to the point that you're doing what somebody else ought to be doing. And it may be important to say no as, as important as it is to say yes. So know when to say no and know when to say yes. Understand what your responsibility is. Understand what your committee is assigned to do. Understand what the deacons are supposed to be doing. Understand what um, your, uh, your, your um, commitment to teach Sunday school is. But know that, um, that you can't say yes to everything. You can say yes to some things, but you can't say yes to absolutely everything. Know when to say yes and know when to say no. Number three... And I think this is, sneaks up on us, and uh, we don't catch it until uh, we're very, very tired and burned out. Number three, be aware when you've been recently serving. Be aware when you have been recently serving. Um, I had a funeral this week that uh, took uh, two days of my, of, of, of my week, and I was glad to do it. Uh, had, to, had a great opportunity with the family. But when I went back home, I noticed that I had given so much of myself uh, over the years to this family um, that um, at the end of the day, now that wasn't the funeral we had here the other day. This is another family just this past week. I had noticed at the end of the day, I was very tired. I was very tired. And had I not paid attention to that, I would not have taken time to recharge. Recharging comes in the form of prayer and reflection, being in the Word of God, and being around people who encourage you. It is so important to have people around you that will encourage you and lift you up and speak well of you and what you are doing. So be aware of when you have recently been serving because a part of you has been given. Now it's time to look to the Lord to receive part of you back and be, be strengthened and uh, resilient as well. Number four, examine whether, you're, whether or not you're serving for the right reasons. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you doing what you're doing? Are you doing it just because somebody asked you? Is it for the right reason? If it's for the right reason or a noble cause, you will find yourself energized by what you're doing. If you're doing it just to get somebody off your back, you'll find it's exhausting. You'll find it's exhausting. 
And if you do that long enough, you'll soon find out that you're burned out. So examine whether you are serving for the right reasons. Number five, check to see if you're serving outside your area of giftedness. Are you really gifted to do this? If you are, you will be energized. One of the, one of the key ways to understand if you're gifted to do a certain ministry in the church, like for me, is uh, preaching the gospel. God called me and God gifted me to do this. So when I preach, I'm energized. Uh, it, it's exhausting, yes. The ministry is exhausting, but I never tire of the m- ministry itself. And, and so while I give, I'm also energized by what I'm called to do. Or as I told Richard one time, I said, Richard, I love to do what I'm called to do because it energizes me. I'm operating in my giftedness. When I operate out of my giftedness, I find myself depleted and burnout comes so quickly. And then number six, uh, we've already stated it before, but let's hear it again. Have others around you for support. Have others around you for support. Remember, you need four friends in your life. Y'all remember who the four friends are? You need a harasser. Bill, somebody, you know, you you can do that. All right. Number two, uh, you need a a cheerleader. Yay, way to go. Uh, you, You need a prophet. Somebody can look down the road like you're not looking down the road and can say, now, if you do that, this is going to be the consequences of that. And, and number four, someone with discernment. Someone with discernment. Discernment is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and to utilize discernment is a way of showing support. Uh, it's always wise to have someone around you who can help you rethink what you're about to do or what you're about to get into. And if you will do that, uh, you will find you have one of those very four uh, personal uh, kinds of friends for support around you. So let me go over these real quick again. One, take time to rest and recharge. Number two, know when to say no and when to say yes to things. Number three, be aware of when you have recently been serving because part of you has been given out. It's time to uh, draw back in. Number four, examine whether you're serving for the right reasons. Uh, Number five, check to see if you're serving out of your giftedness. And number six, have others around you that will support you, particularly these four friends in your life. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, the Scripture says. And I pray that in your fellowship in this church, that you will draw strength uh, in healthy relationships in the church and, and, and that you will count on those kind of people to be there with you and walk with you in all the chapters that life will take you. I invite you to bow your heads with me. Today, as we consider this invitation, we open the door for you to make your decision for Christ, whether it is to receive Jesus as your Savior and your Lord and commit your life to Him, We invite you to come while we sing this song in just a minute. Perhaps uh, there's someone here who needs to unite with us by promise of a letter from a sister church of like faith and order. We invite you to come as well. We will receive you. Perhaps there's someone here who wants to unite with us um, having professed their faith publicly in another congregation but needs to be baptized. Uh, I pray that uh, you will make that decision also. 
Father, we thank you for the opportunity to take next steps of faith, steps that will bring us closer to you, steps that will keep us in line with your will and your plan for our life. Father, help us to be faithful servants of yours, to encourage each other, to strengthen each other, to find unity in the faith and be there for each other as we love one another and walk together as the children of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.